Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. Seven footer Kessler with the screen, gets it back, goes right down the lane. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. Katie Johnson over Gibson. No frills, no gimmicks, just ball. Jabari Smith left wide open. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. Yes, on the all right, we we have another win, man. We'll do it again just to say, you know, it's a frustrating game at times. We'll say it again. 19 straight, never lost at home, never lost away, never lost in regulation, never lost in America, never done a lost podcast. So if you're you're frustrated right now, and we sweep UGA as Matt's showing his little broom right now. Uh, if you're frustrated with this one, it's tough to win away in the SEC celebrate every win maybe we didn't deserve this one necessarily but we found a way to win which is something a special team does and just be excited no lost podcast i every time we have a close game like this i'm thinking what am i gonna say oh no it finally had we finally have to do a lost podcast thank thank you auburn tigers thank you auburn men's basketball for having winning podcasts every time I would add to that list. I, I believe we just tied the longest win streak in Auburn basketball history. So we'll have a chance to break that uh, Tuesday against Arkansas. But you're right. Uh, Bruce was very defensive. I think the SEC announcer said something like, well, it felt like Georgia might have deserved it. He said, no, like we came in here. We went on the road. We won. They, they, you know, Alabama lost in here. Like, so if they can beat Alabama, you know, we've seen that Alabama can beat Gonzaga, all these good teams. And that's that is what I love about Bruce. He's always he's playing chess. The easy reaction to that game is to be frustrated, and we made so many mistakes. He he knows he's got to get his guys ready in 72 hours to go on the road and play a better team in a tougher environment on the road. And he's we did not play confidently at times in this game, and I think he's he's always a step ahead trying to get ready for the next. I think I forgot to say the uh, the score and everything. I usually do. I was just so excited that we didn't have to do a lot a loss podcast after how close it was, but we won by two points, 74-72 over Georgia in a game where Zepp Jasper did not play for some sort of uh, sickness reasons. They say it's not COVID related. So I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever, but it's, it's good. That he's not injured, you know, so that's a thing, but it really showed this game. That might be a way to start a discussion. The Zepp was out and Wendell had to play a lot of minutes and Preston cook, our walk-on played his backup minutes. And at times I think they tried to play him so that Wendell would get a rest, but he didn't get much of a rest. And it really showed because Wendell started off really strong and then ended really bad. He kept us, he got us in the game early and kept everything going, but he also about lost us the game. So he's, his performance was probably the biggest story of the game. It about won us the game, about lost us the game. He, he got the shot at the end of the game, a tough two. He had like 11 seconds. He just ran red quarters. He didn't really have to go quite as fast as he did. Another one that I was like yelling at my screen, please pass the ball. Cause he did not pass the ball. Well, at all this game it took so many bad shots in the second half. And then that one was a bad shot too. He got blocked or ran into the guy or whatever. He just lucky enough to get his own rebound and put it back up to win the game. I mean, we'll have to talk about MVP, Matt. Thoughts on, I mean, we, it's got to be windows in the main discussion. It's just going to be so frustrating if we have to pick them. Um, I, maybe the MVP is Zepp Jasper. I mean, if you didn't think he, he mattered to this team, it's easy to look at that. And I thought the same thing. It's like, okay, well, of all the guys who get sick, you know, Zepp's probably a good choice. I would have played Preston Cook more. I thought he was fine. We only played him four minutes. Wendell playing 36. And by the way, why does Bruce sit guys and play depth when he wants to play with this high tempo, high intensity? You can't play 36 minutes. 
unless you're a special, special guy, Wendell was gassed. He was tired. It led to a lot of mistakes. So it's not necessarily his fault. He was a warrior. He took some big shots. He made a lot of poor decisions. He ends up getting the game winner. But um, Wendell was terrific in the first half. He really was yeah, when he was fully there. But uh, man, if you don't see the value now in having two guards, and especially one that doesn't turn it over, we'll talk about turnovers as we go throughout this episode. Huge. Other candidates. Um, Katie Johnson had the most points with 20, but he took 22 shots, which is just obscene. Both him, both him and Wendell shot way too many. And that's honestly the second part of the story because Kessler and Jabari, I want to give to one of them because that's usually kind of our, our candidates, right? It's been those four guys as Wendell, Katie, Jabari, and Kessler, but they didn't get the ball to them. There was a huge streak in the second half where they UGA came back, took the lead at one point. We turned the ball over constantly, and Wendell was still shooting like deep NBA threes when we were struggling. Flanagan shot a bad one. Jabari could not seem to get a touch on the ball. And there's a really bad one the announcers on ESPN brought up, which like I was yelling at my TV. It was already bad enough that he was taking these early bad threes that were all leading to points by UGA. It wasn't just that he was missing shots and missing possessions. His bad shots turned into points on the other side. Him not being able to hustle back turned into points on the other side. And part of that's because he had to play so much. But Jabari at one point, it was clear point where it was like, like even Bruce, there was a sideline shot where he was like, calm down, Wendell, stop shooting so much. And he right. threw it into to Jabari. Jabari kind of didn't get quite the position he wanted. He threw it back to Wendell. And everybody in the whole stage was like, throw it back. <laughs> and he didn't. He just took another bad three. And it was so frustrating to watch. Yeah, just to give you know, Wendell. So he got 15 in the first half. And then he, he had four you, in the you, second. You, you, and your two. audio went out. Your audio, say that again. Oh, you can't hear me? Yeah, you're good now. Okay, uh, Wendell had 15 in the first half and then only four in the second half, two of which were at the end on that broken, terrible, we'll talk about that play later, but like he only he just didn't score. And I was saying even in the first half, like, okay, Wendell's scoring, which we need, it's great. Uh, but man, he just didn't look like himself and maybe he's still getting fully back. I don't know if we can use that injury as an excuse or not, but just the passes weren't quite there, the turnovers. And honestly, did you see how much Georgia was picking on him defensively? I mean, they attacked Wendell the whole second half they really did yeah and he, he had a really bad I mean you could tell he was gassed I think a lot of this comes down to even at the very end you could see his face he looked so tired and you saw him bring up the court at times and there was a really bad one where he looked tired and they just picked his pocket and he dove for it and Kessler dove for it and somebody else dove for it and it was just so frustrating down this you know, we've had such good point guard play honestly we're, we're maybe we're complaining a little bit because we've had such good point guard play this year to see it go this badly on the road was so frustrating to watch. But part of it, I mean, maybe it's just because they haven't been in the scenario and thank God we got in a scenario and still got a win. But right. if you're that gassed, pass the freaking ball. Right. <laughs> get the ball to Shabar. Like, bring it up. Sure, bring it up. We need you to bring it up. And then get out of there. Like, I mean, you don't have to be the focal point always. And that's kind of the frustrating. We've talked about it with Zep a ton of times that when the starting lineup is in, it's, it's good that Zep doesn't want to take the ball at the time and he passes the ball because we need the ball in other people's hands. We need the ball in the best player in the country's hands. We need the ball at a great Kessler who's had a great offense of like renaissance, not renaissance, but he just keeps going up really. And he tonight Kessler had some really great moves. He took one from like the three-point line and did like a spin into like his offensive game is getting so good. And we can talk about that a little bit. He got into foul trouble, which were half of them, at least two of them. They replayed even if ESPN announcers are saying that wasn't a foul, you know it was bad because ESPN announcers almost always kind of like give the refs a little bit of like, oh, maybe that's what he's calling. Maybe they're trying to be nice to the refs. Two of them, they were just like, that just, it wasn't a foul. It was not a foul. So he's had four fouls. They put him back in the last two minutes. And the whole, the whole down the stretch, we just knew it. The announcer calling it. 
Kessler was not getting the ball in his hands. Jabari was not getting the ball in his hands. The guards were playing awful. Like, I, it's, I don't know. Bruce lets them free flow, but at some point you got to be like, timeout, stop. <laughs> like, it, it's a great next level point. Uh, there's a stat that the NBA uses a lot called usage rate. And guys like Russell Westbrook and LeBron have huge usage rates, basically just meaning the ball is going to go through them all the time. And when you go back over this season, you think about it. When Wendell's on the floor, his usage rate, it has to be extremely high because he's always passing, dribbling, shooting. And I think I thought about that in the first half, even when things were going pretty well for Auburn. Like, by the way, Auburn didn't play great in the first half. I, I told the people I was watching with, like, um, it's so nice to have a team where you don't play well at all and, and you're up 12 on the road at halftime. Well, thank goodness we were up 12 at least because we got completely outplayed and say now. I just think, I think what we, we've been on this with Zeb, like the value is not just that he takes care of the ball. It's not just that he's a great defender, which solved the lack of both of those things. It's, it is criminally offensive to look at this box score and see Jabari Smith with seven shots and Walker Kessler with seven shots. By the way, Kessler was five of seven. One of those was a three he missed. He was five of six. He was hitting shots. Like you said, he made some athletic plays. And for, for KD and Wendell to shoot 39 times in this game, it, Bruce is always skewed to the guards, but like that's just way too much. That we 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 can't do that and it, win also, at the level we want to. It's also crazy that this is a game that Zep was out, and then you decide as guards that this is a game you're going to take over, that you're going to shoot the most because like this is the game that you should be calming down a little bit because you're going to play a lot of minutes on defense and to play a lot of minutes this game. Pass the freaking ball, so frustrating because maybe it was a combo too of. KD in his second UGA game at home in Athens was not going to pass the ball. And the announcers brought that up a couple of times and he had some really crazy, I mean, at times you still needed him to be well, aggressive and go get those drives, but there were some other ones where he was just not going to give it up. He was going to dribble that ball until he got in there and he got the calls, I think in the first half, from what I can tell in the second half, he didn't get as many. And that's kind of the story of KD a lot of this time. Cause he, he doesn't deserve the call. Some of the time he throws his body into people, which, at some point, the referees seem to get like frustrated with that and start saying they're not going to call anymore. And it seems to be home and away, but it's just, it's frustrating. Well, I meant to say, go ahead. I was going to say, let's make the case. Let's, let's outline the case unless you have well, another before, point. You go ahead. Before you do that, I, I meant to put this at the beginning. I was at a birthday lunch thing for a friend for the first half and I was watching on my phone, but unless you're really sitting there and watching, it's hard to notice. So I might have to get Matt to shout me down sometimes on uh, first half notes and things, but Shout out to my friend Alex. Happy birthday. He's a Kentucky fan from Kentucky. Your team sucks. I'm going to find this part of the podcast and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, the case is for MVP. Um, Wendell, we just talked about. We'll talk about a little more. Katie, I agree. He struggled. But, man, I, this is the kind of game you need KD. We saw it in the Missouri game. He was aggressive. He was attacking. He had some terrific. Um, I, he played – I thought the first half KD was terrific. He was in MVP position. He really was. Struggled in the second half. Like you said, when he doesn't get called, it's a problem. He did make a great kind of risky play on the last play of the game where Georgia had 3.6 seconds. He kind of got in his way without fouling and redirected the shot and kept them at half court. That's a huge little yeah. thing. That was really good. My, my girlfriend was watching with me and she was like, well, there was only three seconds. That's why they shot that. I was like, no, you, three seconds is a good amount of time in basketball. You usually can get up the court and get like a decent three-point shot from three seconds. And they were shooting from beyond half court, which made me feel great. But you're right. I was also texting, don't foul. So the fact that KD, that's just his life, right? That he's going to take those risks. And, and, and KD made a great attacking, driving right to the rim to get a layup in the last couple of minutes. So like he continues to make these great plays, even when it's not going great. Um, 
and defensively, I mean, he twenty-two times, man, twenty-two shots. It's not good, but defensively, he was better. He was the best guard defensively in this game. So I, I do want to say it is to me, Katie's a valid candidate. If the shots are crazy, one for seven from three. Uh, you know, a couple turnovers, but Wendell had more turnovers. Flanagan had more turnovers. I think he's an option. I think Kessler has a solid ten points, nine rebounds, four blocks, doing his thing when he was on the floor. We looked better when he was not on the floor. I would love to see plus minus on this game. Might, I bet Kessler's is high. You might could give it to him because he got screwed by the referees again. So you like, why should we not like give a guy that's efficient with the time he's had or whatever? You know, another question I have for you. So I, like I said, I uh, only got to watch the first half kind of like vaguely and watch locked in the second half. If you were to tell me one of Windor or Zepp is out, I would think, okay, well, then KD plays some point guard, maybe. He, like, maybe not, like, all the time, but he plays – I would not have expected Preston Cook to play the point guard. Now, he only played four minutes, but you go back to, like, KD's your number two guy. I assume your two can play some point guard. We – if – is that a liability? Like, is Bruce, like, said – like, does he believe that much of Preston Cook, I guess, or believe that it's worthy to play Wendell this much? Like, maybe you take away from KD's game a little bit. The fact that I assumed he would be able to take some of the load off of Wendell, and he's not, and we saw Wendell – get hurt in the Missouri game. Zep's sick in this one. If you're, your two's got to be able to play some point guard, you're, you're starting two. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. I would love to have seen KD. I don't know if he did in the first half some, or if you ever saw him bring up the, he's got really good handles. Why, why is he not bringing the ball to the court ever? Um, I think Bruce just, if I would guess, we'll see what he says in his post game. Uh, I bet he'll look back at this and say, he wishes he played Preston eight or 10 minutes. I think that would be his adjustment. Preston's a scholarship player. Everybody thinks he's a walk. He was a walk-on. He earned a scholarship partially because we had room, right? We had room for an extra scholarship. He's a good player. He can get us into our offense and be like Zepp, not as good defensively and all that. But like he did that fine. I think Bruce maybe panicked a little bit. Does Leor, is he still hurt? What's going on with him? He could have played some point. Like we said that one day we might need some Leor, but like, and we haven't seen, I really wish I knew what was going on because he, he, he earned some minutes in that. And like, I knew by now he wouldn't be playing a ton, but this is the kind of stuff you wish you had a guy like that, right? And Chris Moore played some. I don't know if Lever can bring it up. I don't know. No. Like if maybe because the game got so tight, he meant to play Preston Cook more or what the deal was. The other option would be, I think KD or Flanagan would be your guys who in an emergency situation you would use. I just think he probably wants to keep as many guys rotations similar as possible. And the easiest way to do that in this game was to play Preston. And, and honestly, because it was Georgia, it's a little easier to play Preston and give him that look. And, and look, he, he believes so much in next man up and giving people the opportunity. That's how Leor got to play even. So I think it's just part of how Bruce is. I, I thought Preston was fine. I, again, I would have rather seen him more minutes rather than Wendell. Just he, he was gutty. He played his heart out. He played really hard. But like it just wasn't good enough. And he was too, he was too tired to play at the level mm-hmm. that, that Auburn needed him to play in the second half. So if, we, if we're talking about MVP, most valuable player, I think you could make an argument that Wendell is definitely the most valuable player. If he wasn't playing out there, then we're screwed. Clearly, we don't even have another guy in the roster that could do anything. So you could say that. And he was in, maybe you say, like, if he, he shot us, he about shot us out of the game. But he also kept us in the game with hitting a lot of shots and things. So you could still do Wendell. We're just frustrated with his shot selection that we, like, I mean, we, we've seen how great his passing has gotten and everything, which is so surprising that he – I don't know if you could call it go selfish mode or if he just his brain was on tired mode and just did not like maybe that's part of it. You don't want to keep playing. So you can just go ahead and shoot your shot and then you don't have to keep running around. You know, I, I don't know. KD, like you say, could be it. Walker Jabari can't be it. But it's so frustrating. Jabari, 
how much of that is frustration that we can't get Jabari the ball? And how much of that is, all right, Jabari, time to turn alpha. Yell at your team out. Like, give me the freaking ball. <laughs> like, well, and he got a good – he got a, one of his corner threes. We forced it to him. He in and out. Barely missed. Um, I, I would say Georgia, and I think everybody's going to do this, they're clearly defending us differently than teams were a few weeks ago. Everybody's playing Kessler and Jabari off those screen and rolls way more. That's how Wendell got so open in the first half. He really had all day to shoot some threes. Um, so people are playing us a little differently, maybe trying to neutralize Wendell's passing game a little bit in the lobs and the alley-oops and stuff. So um, I don't know, man. Somebody, like, man. We got to pick somebody. Part, part of me. <laughs> I, how much is, I feel like we're factoring a little too much uh, frustration at some of the, like the, I wonder if we're being a little too harsh, maybe um, Wendell and KD. It's just 17, it's just 17 shots, 22 shots. Like if we rewind a little bit and, we just know Walker and Jabari are so good. So it's frustrating. They would take that many shots when we could have gotten to them. If you like go back and don't assume that they're that great or whatever, then you can like, I don't know, a different team. These two guys shooting that much is good. Just not on this team. You know, I would, I would love to see the plus minus. Uh, I, I wish the, the one box score we use right after the game doesn't usually have that. I, I bet Kessler's plus minus might make it enough for me to want to give it to him, but we don't have that data. Honestly, we might be overreacting. Uh, I don't want to, but but to me, Katie and Wendell were both great in the first half, fairly similarly. And I just thought Katie was less of a liability in the second half. I really did. I I know he drove in wild a couple times. Do we give um, Wendell any like extra oomph from having to play this Iron Man point guard situation? Yeah. Like we're being harsh on him, but he had maybe. to deal with something that no one else on the team had to deal with. You know, it's maybe. almost like almost an award for him for working that hard. It didn't work out. He didn't play like we wanted him to in that, but like maybe we're being too harsh because he had to play. Like he might hear Bruce comments afterwards where he's like, you guys, we asked Wendell to do something impossible and he went out there and we still won that game, you know? Yeah, no, but, and that's a good point. And when you look at it, he had five rebounds. He continues to rebound well as a guard. Uh, three assists led the team. Um, he shot, he made three threes. I think he was the only player that made multiple threes on our team. We'll talk about three-point shooting later. Continues to be a problem. He, he made two huge free throws down the stretch on a one-and-one. Yeah. One. Being yeah. tired and going to the line, and I will give him a shout-out. I believe coming into this game, he was number one in the conference during conference play in free throw percentage. That's massive to have your point guard hitting 92% of your free throws. So I, I'm going to say give it to Wendell. I just yeah. I, I want to say – he really hurt the team in a lot of non-scoring ways tonight, but you're right. That's the coach's fault sometimes. Yeah. I choose to forgive it. Like it's so funny. Last game we had dual MVPs because we had two such great players. And now tonight we're like, don't even want to give an MVP, (laughs) but I think uh, we're being a little harsh with Wendell. He's not done this all year, really where he shot us out of games or anything. And then we asked him to play ridiculous amount of minutes. And this is, if this happened more often, I'd be like, no, we can't give it to him as he's trending and doing these bad things. One game like that, I think we can fully blame it on. He had to play more minutes than he should have played, and we can give it to Wendell. Sounds good. I'm, I'm with you. Right. Well, we can move. I'll also say that, uh, you know, we, we got our MVP done. I want to say a couple things I wish I'd said earlier in the podcast, but we were so excited to not have to do a lost podcast again. But we're going to have this great uh, interview on in a little bit, maybe in another little – we'll go through our pregame notes and everything, so we'll have them on. But there was a great viral video out there of a little kid named Luke at Show & Tell – that uh, t- talked about the Auburn basketball team, brought up Auburn basketball poster. And so hold on for that a little later after we talk about pregame notes and go down some players. 
So, you want to do pregame um, notes? Let's, well, let's talk about overall a little bit. Um, okay. Ultimately, just we, we just put this live uh, screen shared if you're watching on YouTube. Um, ultimately, this was a fairly even game, but there were a couple big things I want to point out. Um, first off, the shooting was fairly even. We shot 40, they shot 41. Uh, they, they outshot us percentage-wise a little bit from three. We made a couple more threes. Uh, they got to the line more than we did, but we made a higher percentage. To me, the key stat of this game, 14 turnovers for this Auburn team against Georgia. That's just unacceptable. I don't care who's playing. I do think it shows the value of Zeph Jasper. We were just very careless. Jabari had back-to-back -back terrible turnovers. Wendell had them. KD had them. They all three had them, actually. Flanagan. Three different, all, three different players had three turnovers. And, and everybody in the starting lineup had all but two of these. Like, so I just thought the starting unit struggled to take care of the ball, credit to Georgia. Uh, but that was a massive thing. We did win rebounding 46 to 35, 18 to 11 offensive rebounds, which was huge. We, you saw that in the second half. Auburn loses this game without some of those offensive rebounds to get second chances. Um, second chance points was 20 to eight. Uh, but here's a problem. Here's the problem. Georgia should not be able to hang with Auburn. 40 to 40 points in the paint inside. They, they took it to us. They honestly attacked Kessler pretty well at times. And then fast break points, 18 to 7, he, or 18 to 17 were even. We should not be even in fast break he, points. And it was also a lot of it, you know, we're talking about turnovers, 14 turnovers to, what was it, 10 turnovers. But it also was terrible shot selection, which it, that was going to be my note if we had to do a lost podcast of how we lost the game with shot selection. It's not only did like some of those Wendell threes and some of the KD ones too, it's other playing again at times, even some of those turn, like it was negative points. Not only did we miss, they turned into fast break points essentially because they were bad misses, like just terrible, terrible shooting. So and there was a lot. That's how they came back on us. We were up what 10 plus halftime? 15 halftime? 15 in the first half. It was 12 at halftime. Wow. And they, they just punked us. They started every bad shot we took. They zoomed up the court and we did not get back in time. Even when we did get back in time, our guards were having people fly by them. So then Kessler was, you know, Kessler's great about cleaning stuff up. But when there's that many times, it's almost every single time they were just driving a lane all by themselves. It was one-on-one -on -one versus Kessler and they finished a lot of them. So applauding them for finishing over Kessler. But then when Cardwell was in, it was like our defense couldn't do anything. We couldn't slow down their guards. We couldn't get back in time for fast breaks, which should never be our issue. And then Cardwell couldn't block it the same way Kessler blocked it. So they just scored every single time they went down there. It was so frustrating to watch. And, and we've seen it so we saw it at Missouri. We saw it at Ole Miss. Uh, if you let a team be wide open and see the ball go through the basket, they become a less bad team. Like you, at home, especially, you build confidence. You get the crowd going. And, and to begin the second half, we just got hit in the face. And defensively, we were not nearly – and Georgia made more shots, credit to them. But every 50-50 ball they were getting. Uh, and there just wasn't that effort to get out to shooters, to get the – they just – we did not play with the intensity defensively at times. Now, and then the, the really sad part for if you're playing in this game for Auburn, then we picked up the defense, I thought much better the last 10 or 15 minutes of the half, but it's too late because you've just mm -hmm. let that other team get really confident and they have a chance to beat the number one team for the first time ever in Georgia basketball history. You let them into that. And it just shows you how hard it is to play 40 minutes of really good basketball on the road when you are this hyped, like it, you better not give a team an inch. I thought we should have been up 15 or 20 in the first half, the way the game went. Um, and we kind of let them stay in it. Like you we've seen and 
look, it's great to get away with it. It's a good learning experience, but just not good enough. Last stat and I'm done. We don't talk about this enough, in my opinion. Uh, look at assists. Georgia had 16 assists in this game. We had 10, and uh, we made more shots than them. We made three more shots than them, and we had almost half as many assists. That tells me we did not share the ball well. We didn't get a lot of great looks offensively, and Georgia did. And credit to Georgia and Tom Crean. We would love for Tom Crean to stay their coach for a long time. I was just going to get that in there. We like beating them. But um, they ran some good offense that got guys open, like you said, and, and caused us to recover. So, anyway, that's a lot. We, we, Sorry. we got outscored by 10 in the second half, and that's pretty much exactly what that crazy run was, that Bruce had to take a heat check timeout, which if you listen to our interview with Katie Hurrell earlier and you listen to Sonny earlier – we, we we're going to keep asking these different former players and different uh, coaches what they think about heat check turnouts. I'm a big believer in heat check turnouts. They went on a 10 like oh run at one point where it was either turnovers or just terrible shot selection. They outran us so many open shots. It was beginning of the second half when we had jumped on. We were on this team. They should have no like hype, no like extra motivation to put, make that extra pass, no extra motivation to make that extra like uh, cut, like cut or play defense as hard as they did. Well, we let them go on that run immediately because we got lazy and didn't get back in time and took bad shots. And all of a sudden, every possession, they're locked in. <laughs> There's no like like ethereal, like maybe I don't outrun on that one. No, when you let them get that close and you let them get within 10 and score 10 and the crowd gets into it, it's supposed to be a, an Auburn takeover of Athens. But that Georgia crowd got really into it when they scored 10 in a freaking row where every single one of them was wide open, not even an Auburn player like in the freaking video picture. And then after that, every possession all of a sudden became huge. Like it was from a free flowing game like we like it where you're just kind of going back and forth and you, you get in a flow of a game to every possession is a locked in possession from both teams. And they made their shots because they were hyped up and they're at home. We shot 23% from three because we shot awful shots to begin with. And then, you know, they got excited. And that's just how it is. Like you said, bad teams all of a sudden get pretty good when they get, like, confident. you got to give a shout-out to Oquendo for Georgia. Uh, he played the same amount of minutes as Wendell. You did. It didn't look like it. He had 25 points. He consistently beat us to the ball. He airballed two threes and was 9 of 18 shooting uh, with 25, five rebounds, only one turnover. Uh, he was the reason Georgia had a great chance in this game. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out. We, we gave notes to him. I mean, other teams with good – everybody in the SEC is going to have at least one good player that's going to get theirs no matter what pretty much. But it seems like a trend kind of that there's going to be a guard on another team that's going to get theirs. And I think that might be partially because we have smaller guards. They take it. They drive it past them, whatever. But something to watch if we keep getting beat like that down the lane, especially if Kessler's not in. Uh, we can talk about some pregame notes unless you have another stat you want to bring up. Uh, I, the only thing that's interesting is I just am noticing that um... – uh, Georgia shot 58% in the second half against us. That's wow. incredible. What was their 3%? You got that? 25. So they didn't hit. They were only two for eight from three, but they just attacked downhill. And uh, they, they again, they only made six baskets in the first half. They made 18 baskets in the second half. So we, we, you know what we can talk about another stat? Fouls. Because the game did not seem like it was going to be close in the crowd wasn't so crazy, you know, going into uh, Tuscaloosa, going into Rupp Arena, we're like paying attention to this disparity in fouls and paying attention, getting upset when Kessler gets bad fouls. Honestly, Kessler got his bad fouls and we kind of shrugged it off because we were supposed to be winning. We were supposed to be good, but he got two awful foul calls. It's just so annoying that it's like this, that you go away and there's always this foul discrepancy. Like, it's just bad refereeing. It's bad. Like, I don't know, pay these guys more. Get better people. (laughs) I don't know. Like, how is it so consistent that when you go away, you're not going to get the foul calls you got at home and vice versa? It should be even. These guys should be professionals. I don't know how it happens. 
I don't know how those two Kessler ones get called like that. And you know, they wouldn't get called in other places, you know, you know, and it's almost the opposite. If you're going to be not home or whatever, KD gets some fouls at home that maybe he doesn't deserve and he doesn't get them away. And it's just so frustrating that they clearly let this happen. Like the referees really like they're supposed to be professionals. I know it's hard. Like everybody always rails on them, but we had 20 fouls and they had 13 and you know, it's bad. Like, I feel like it's weird that this isn't more of a narrative on this one in my head, but like, you know, it's bad when near the end of the game, you foul, like one of them fouls you on a very important play with like two or three minutes left and you have to throw the ball in instead of taking free throws while the other team's been shooting free throws for like five or six minutes. So, well, be fair, George's book and was one of my pregame notes was they are top like 10 or 20 in the country and getting to the free throw line and making free throws. Now we got lucky. They missed, uh, they were 69%. They weren't great from the line tonight. But um, that, that's part of their game. They only took 14 threes. They're not going to shoot a ton of threes. They're kind of old school. So part of that's them. But you're right. We've, we've seen it over and over. Uh, Kessler, man, I would say, and the, the announcer said it as well, that, you know, out of the, he didn't get a good foul out of any of those four. I mean, it was really arm straight up, not initiating contact. Uh, some of them were on a block. Like, that was clean, totally clean. And, and the, the thing with the announcers they always try to point out is usually their automatic thing because they know when – someone like cleanly gets a block they almost always initially go if they if it, they get the foul oh maybe he got him with the body and then both times they showed the replay they went uh with the body either i don't know what the referee was looking at and that even espn says that you know it was bad yeah i agree and, and maybe you change this game altogether if kessler's in longer you know we, we were railing on jabari and kessler not getting as many looks as possible but the reason kessler didn't get as many looks as possible is because he wasn't in a lot of the time well, what was the minutes on yeah, him. he played 29. I mean, he was close to what he would usually play. But but I think I think the bigger problem was us not getting him engaged. But you're right. There, there's probably an extra three to five minutes that he's playing in this game that he may have ended up with 14 and 12 and five or six blocks, and he's our MVP. I mean, that's, that's how skinny that margin is. I feel like we can't underline enough how frustrating the passing was and how frustrating the not getting Jabari and Kessler looks. Because now I think about it, too. He had 10 points. Jabari had seven, at least a portion of those, I know for sure down the stretch, were not passes to them. I think Jabari had one where he rebounded the ball and put yep. one back up. I think Kessler had a play or two like that. So even amongst their very small stat line, those came off of rebounds and like turnovers and things. They just did not get them the ball. It's been a frustrating thing with, with Jabari most of the year, really, because we believe in that he can do anything. He's Superman out there, that we can't seem to work him the ball in like a – I mean, it's part of, partly because of Bruce's offense. He doesn't do this a lot, but you want to work it to him in a way where he's flashing towards the basket or with an open three or something like that. And it seems like our only thing we do with Jabari is get him the ball and then he shoots some isolation stuff. Maybe that's just what we're working on. I'd love to actually be able to work him the ball in an actual, you know, we work Kessler the ball. He does his little like uh, pick and roll and we throw the ball up to him. Jabari six foot nine, six foot 10. We can do some similar plays. We can work him the ball down low. And we had earlier in the year, maybe not earlier, but like midway through early in the SEC play, we were working him like a power forward down there. And it was working really well. We've just completely gone away from that, I feel like. And we shouldn't have to get to that. Like, I like that we don't have to do that in the game. But in a game like this where we can't seem to get him the ball, let's call it. <laughs> let's call some plays to get him something down low. And it's just, it's frustrating. That's one of Bruce's things he said in that uh, right after the game was our, our we, did, we need to do a better job of getting our big guys because they switched a lot on the perimeter, which means your big guys are going to have small guys on them. You've got to be able to take advantage of that. I know it's not our, you know, DNA to throw it into Kessler in the post for a for an isolation, but like, why not? Like he's proven he can do it. Jabari, obviously, like you said, can shoot over anyone, especially a small guard. Like we've got to be smarter about 
taking advantage of those. And I'm sure that'll be a focus going into the next game. Kessler has opened up his offensive book so dramatically in the last like 10 games or so. Like that play he had where he caught, because one thing you used to do before with him or a guy like him, you'd think, well, if he can get position down there, if we can work him in like real close and he can do like one move, then we're like, that's good. But if he's not, if he catches it around the free throw line or a little further up or something, he needs to pass it back out or do something different. Tonight he called it around like the three-point line, took a dribble, did a spin. He's so long. His arms, he's he's like taking, he's picking up his dribble at like the free throw line and like making one step and putting the fault there still so high up that no one can get to it. He had another one, I think, where he had it at the free throw line, picked it up and just dunked the ball. Like, we got to get this guy the ball. He like, and I'm, I'm done with waiting. Like, Oh, let's just do it in like the flow or whatever. No, get him the ball. He's like looking so great out there. And maybe part of that is it's hard to like move things around severely when you're winning, especially a lot of games by double digits and stuff. It's just, it's, it's human nature. You're not going to make massive changes to your offensive approach. I mentioned how many times we've been scoring 80, a hundred against Alabama, like all these so it's hard to like make changes, but then you see a game like today, we've got to have that in our arsenal to be able to go to that quicker if we need it. Because you you would hate to, I mean, think about it. We could have not swept Georgia, given Georgia their first win over number one. We could have, and then we have to go to Arkansas. It, it's huge to win this one so that you're not like freaking out if you lose two in a row, if you go lose at Arkansas. So we were that close in part, in large part, in my opinion, because we didn't use our two unicorn players enough that are just so special and unique. Not that Wendell's not, not that KD's not, but they're just, those two guys in the front court are just different. They're just, nobody can guard them a lot of times. So sometimes uh, we hit these moments where me and Matt do this podcast because we feel like we're on the same wavelength, I, I think a little bit with some of this stuff. And I was just about to bring those same points up and I was like, we're on the same wavelength. Like it would have been brutal to drop this before we go at Arkansas at the same day they announced game day. If we had lost this one in Athens it's it's not it's gonna suck if we lose at Arkansas and have to go into game day off a loss or whatever when they like they're finally picking us to like hype us up or whatever that we'd come off a loss that's gonna be a huge game at Arkansas and we hope Zepp's ready for it or whatever but you gotta win games like this because you're gonna lose other games that are tougher than this so it's huge and another point that it's hard to change things when you're not losing when you're winning you just kind of want to have to keep going it's hard to like get in these kids head they, things need to change this Missouri game in this game in Athens, there was somebody during the Missouri game that said we just took a loss without having to take a loss in the in the like the win win loss column. You can learn from this win as if it was a loss. I'm hoping the same with this one with UGA that we can change some things up. We can think that crap if Zepp's out or if Wendell's out, we have to play these point guards way too much. We need to start working on that just in case that happens, kind of stuff. So you hope that that's what we learned from this. That maybe it was actually you know silver lining. We don't fall behind further in the SEC because it's gonna be so. I was already ready. There's so many things that we come on when there's a tough game like this. I was already so ready to talk about how annoying it's going to be if we had to play at Arkansas now. And all of a sudden, you go down one game. Kentucky has only lost two games. All of a sudden, they're breathing down your neck, and this game at Arkansas is a must win. And, like, you don't want to be in that position right now. We have built this little cushion. You hope Kentucky can lose another game. They're playing to get against Alabama. I'm not going to cheer for Alabama, but I would love to have a three-game cushion so that you can lose something like this but woof, we got out of there with a win that's that's huge we can uh go into pregame meetings here yeah let's do it uh mats are how effective was the auburn fan invasion of athens 
maybe I had hyped it up a little more in my head of how crazy it was going to be. I knew so many people who were going. It was noticeable. And when we made a little, when the game got close and we got it out to four or six or something, it looked like we might pull away. You could, I mean, we were chanting defense. It was like we were, you know, it was a home game. So shout out to the people who were there. You could definitely tell. Uh, I love the AU after we make free throws on the road. It's so cool. Um, but it was effective, I think. But, uh, you know, may, I don't know. Maybe I just was hoping for like, 70 percent or just something to be just insane yeah same with me maybe my hopes got too high that i assumed like even at one point when they had gone a little run and we had just scored i was thinking like all right now everybody all the all our fans like show them that you're there let's get hyped i thought i would hear it on tv like our guys get into it and i don't know maybe i missed it in the first half on some of it but i think we've seen a couple games this year where you you heard the auburn fans and you were like i'm trying to think of the one that we heard the most in the SEC where they were like celebrating when they shot. Maybe at Ole Miss, I think, was a big one. You heard all the fans. So like when you heard the tickets went so high at UGA and so many fans were planning on going, I kind of assumed that it would almost be like a neutral court. Definitely didn't feel like a neutral court. It felt like the UGA fans got in our heads a little bit during those runs. So not as exciting as we were hoping. But if you went there, shout out. We might see some stuff on Twitter and different things that it was crazier than we think. Maybe like the way they're uh arenas designed that the whole upper deck was all Auburn fans you just couldn't hear it compared to like the lower deck people your next one is Auburn has been scoring 80 plus in many conference games can they get to that number today on the road we were right on track in the first half scored 42 I felt great about it because I didn't think we were playing great but it just felt like we were kind of on track and man wasn't ready for the defense we were very fortunate to get to 74 to be honest so not quite I just figured Georgia there was no way Georgia was going to score 80 on us um, and I just think a lot of teams are like that. If we can get to 80, that's a good number to track. Uh, most teams don't have enough firepower to score 80 on us when we're playing well defensively. Yep. Your next one is, oh, I lost them. Here it is. UGA is towards the top of the country in free throw attempts and makes. Can Auburn play their style of defense? Oh, I lost it. It's about the free throws. We talked about the free throws some. Yeah, just uh, I, you knew they were going to attack downhill, try to get Kessler in trouble. They really didn't until like late in the second half. I thought Kessler did a really good job. Uh, there were some weak calls on him, but George is just going to, they're not going to shoot threes. They're going to go downhill and attack you. Uh, first half, I thought we were terrific. They were lucky to get as many free throws as they did for some weak calls. Second half, completely different story. We've, we've already kind of touched on that, but uh, that's a good you know, we talk about styles and matchups in NCAA tournament. Like, who are you going to play? And the value in playing a team like Georgia for us is that they're so different from so many other teams that we do play. Kind of like Missouri in a way. It's just a different look of basketball. Um, and like you said, that the grinder of that last 10 or 12 minutes, of one possession at a time, like that is exactly what Georgia wanted. And that's why they had a chance to win at the end. I was, I was looking at uh, this other game, you know, to see – I was so frustrated with this away home thing. 20 fouls for us on this one, 13 for UGA. In our other game where it was in Auburn Arena, Auburn had 18 fouls, only two less, and they had 12 fouls. So it was that two more than they had in this one. So it was a little more even, but you're right. UGA did it in both games, so maybe it's not as frustrating. It's A lot of times, though, we look at this total number, and it doesn't tell the story when you have your best center in trouble. So um, my notes are – can Katie Johnson keep a level head in his big return to Athens and keep this solid streak? He's had a lot of these solid streaks where he doesn't feel like he overdoes it and he's a good team player and all this stuff. He came out like that in the first half. I think he, I wouldn't say he freaked out about anything. I thought he'd freak out about some stuff more and get some attack or 
like take too many risks or something like it wasn't necessarily that but shooting 22 times the way he kind of like dribbled the ball for way too long and try to work this stuff in there I think it's it was an issue so I'm gonna say he didn't that he wasn't you know a thing my next one is uh or you can go ahead and say which well one. I was just gonna say I, I didn't think it was that bad I mean he definitely shot a little much for me for my taste but um I, I thought he I actually thought he could have used some more energy uh you know sometimes he's bailed us out with the energizer bunny stuff and, and I thought he was a little quiet in the second half defensively and just energy wise so um anyway I, uh, my next one is, can we avoid going down early like we have done in a lot of away games? We came out uh, hot today, right? I mean, you were watching the first half better than I was. Yeah, um, got a double-digit lead. I think it got up to 15 at one point, and it really felt like Auburn was going to kind of take care of business. And then it it really shifted there towards the end of the first half. You, I forget what game it was, but we talked about when you have an opportunity to stretch that to 15 or 20 at halftime, it just it's a completely different feel. That's what we did against Georgia the first time at home. This time Georgia scrapped back and got within 10 um, towards the end of the first half and then obviously made a huge run to start the second. But we did have a better start on the road and we shot better on the road too to start than we have a few other trips. It's crazy. Maybe it's because we've like changed our mindset on what kind of team we are. We went from the scrappy team that needed to prove it and had chip on their shoulder to being the number one team. The beginning of the year, it was all about how hard we went in the first like five minutes of the game and how hard we did in the first uh, coming out of halftime. Now we keep getting pumped at the end of these, like, like the other team keeps coming out hard on us. Luckily we started strong today, but the second half, again, the other team comes out more aggressive than us. Like, I don't know if this is a mindset or what needs to happen to reverse this trend. I don't know. It could just be a function of being number one, you know, like uh, you, you just have everybody's so excited to play us. Now you better be ready to start both halves because they're going to bring it. I think uh, so my last one is, can we start shooting a higher 3% down the stretch? No, it's getting really frustrating. Uh, it's a Bruce Pearl team. We've got shooters. I mean, I feel like Katie Johnson and Wendell Green are pretty good shooters. Jabari Smith is an amazing shooter. Even Kessler has a better like three-point shooter than a lot of people. Flanagan's had his issues. We can talk about these players later on, but it's we're just shooting bad. 23%, I think it's almost entirely down to shot selection. We have some really good inside plays. We have a great center in Kessler we can work the ball to. Jabari's a big guy we can work the ball to. We keep taking contested threes. We should be able to find a way to get these guys open. I don't I don't know what's going on. You kind of have to have context, like you said. Sometimes you have to take threes at the end of the clock, and, you know, it just is what it is. Like, Zeb has to – a lot of his threes are like that. But uh, tonight it was just – we just shot too many threes. With the front court we have, we shot 50% from two in this game, and it wasn't perfect, but we shot better inside. You've got to make that adjustment and move on. We just scored 100 points in the last game on five threes. Like, it, we, we just – I think – but Bruce's offense we know is free-flowing. Be confident. Take your threes. Like, don't be afraid to take a big shot, even if it's a tough one. So, we, we need to monitor that. That was a great pregame note by you. We need to be checking in on that as we get through these last few weeks. If we keep shooting the same volume, we made fun of Alabama because they're not that great of a three-point shooting team, but they shoot a crazy volume. At some point where we keep making six threes, but we're shooting 20-plus of them every game, we're going to have to like make an adjustment. That's not good, efficient basketball, and it's going to cost us at some point. It about cost. It was really this game should have been the game it cost us because we took way too many contested long threes early in shot clocks, didn't get the rebound, turned into points on the other side. So – Maybe, like we said, it, it wasn't a loss. Amazing. Maybe we learned from it like it was a loss. Well, here comes a big interview, guys. You know, we've had some big interviews recently. We've had KT Harrell. We've had Sonny Smith. We're going to have another guy on next week. 
but this might be the biggest interview that we've had. We have this, this guy down here, Luke. How you doing, Luke? You talk to him? Oh, he's, he's a little camera shy, but Luke was on. Uh, Hang on a second. Let me yell. Sorry. Let me okay. Luke was at his school doing uh, show and tell with the Auburn basketball team poster. It was very cute. He went through and pointed out some players. He reminds us of us when we were little, and we just kind of wanted to get some takes of, a, a, you know, we're a younger generation of Auburn basketball fans than some people we know. Well, this is the next generation that's going to grow up with a great right, team. Here we go. So we, we can ask Michael some questions to his dad about how this yeah, came we, can, we, I, we can definitely do that. How's it going, man? It's good, good. Thanks for coming on. So how Absolutely. did like, so show and tell was happening? Like, how did this all come about? So Luke is, uh, he's actually homeschooled and every Thursday they, uh, his homeschool community meets at our church and they do a, a presentation every single week. And uh, this week um, he decided to take the, um, the poster that we got, um, my wife and I went to the Georgia game that was in Auburn and we picked, we just randomly picked up a poster, took that home and he decided to take that and do that as his presentation. And he, um, uh, he it was amazing being six years old. He knew all the players names and everything. So um, <clears throat> we love watching him go through that. Do you guys live in Auburn or what, what part of where we, you we actually live in Montgomery and um, can you guys do you still see me? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm, he, he gets a little good, a little shot seeing the camera. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we live in Montgomery and um, we homeschool right out of there. But uh, yeah, Luke, he knew the um, knew all the players and, um, you know, just on a whim, I uploaded the video and um, it it was crazy. The th next thing we know, the thing had um, almost 80,000 views. Who, uh, you know, I saw it because a certain player retweeted it you know uh, who yes. played, retweeted what, it you know who it was that retweeted jabari okay <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna ask you know you you may know dad like who, who are the guys that he's gravitating to who, who are the best players to watch Look, who's your who's your favorite player do you know is it uh, is it wendell is it oh. is it is it kessler oh man Guys, I'm so sorry. I think I think we're going to struggle a little bit today. Oh, it's okay. We can we can interview the dad here about. Uh, you know, I'm from Montgomery, also. I I think it's very cute that you know that's little me down there. You know, that was in, <laughs> back into all our basketball, but we were bad back in the day. Now uh, Luke can have sorry. a good time with his dad, and y'all can bond. And this really is the kind of stuff that you know, builds a foundation for a team. Yeah, like man. This. So so I was I'm an Auburn grad. I finished back in um, 2003. And, um, and, then, and then hung around there for a couple of more years after I finished up. So I was, uh, I guess the closest thing we had to good back then was back when we had Chris Porter and, and all that. But I can remember you on a Tuesday night, they'd almost pay you to go to a game. So, what, you know, the fact that we've got tents on a, on a Friday night before a Kentucky game and, and all that kind of stuff, it's, I mean, it's absolutely insane. And that entire atmosphere inside of the stadium is, um, is, is really something special. Um, I've, got, I've got friends that um, have, now have kids that are up there and I'm, I'm always texting them and telling them, like, man, it's, um, uh, it was not that way when I was in school over here. So it's a really special thing that's going on over there. Has, has Luke got to go to a game yet this year? They're so expensive now, you know. They, not yet. So we are going to go next Saturday to the, uh, to the Texas A&M game. Wow, and, game day. Uh, so we will be there for a game day. And um, that will be – it'll be his first game go. And I've taken – I've got a daughter, too, she, uh, Ava. She's eight years old, and um, we have um, – 
uh, she, she's been, she loves it. So um, it, it, it's quite an atmosphere, but we, we're Auburn people being 45 minutes away. We we're up there almost every Saturday. I've got a big trailer pit. I'll, you know, we will go up there and just tailgate. Maybe we go to the game. Maybe we don't, um, you know, there's, there's just not many better things than spending a Saturday in Auburn, Alabama. That's for sure. Now you're, you're going down to the game on Saturday, big game, Texas A&M college game day, a player yeah. Jabari Smith, who could be the number one NBA draft pick retweets. Got to meet this guy. Has yeah. there any been any movement yet on that situation? Uh, not, not, so I haven't, I, you know, I'm not going to be that, that weird fan that just like DMs a, a player or whatever, but I probably will between here and there just because we'll be there that Saturday or whatever. So it'd be a you know crazy cool thing to, to, to maybe that, that a pull off. My favorite thing that happened with the, with the tweet has been all of the memes that, that were made after the fact. So, I mean, some of that stuff was, I, I was floored at how quickly um, the content was generated. Literally, like within 30 minutes, folks were just like taking little clips of his um, of his video and stuff, and um, and all that. So um, yeah, we uh, we don't have a, a ton of clout necessarily. I don't know we have a little clout now. We've interviewed some people and stuff, so maybe we might see if we can tweet around and yeah, see. Man. You know, I, I'm sure Jabari would mind you DM. I don't know if he'll actually check and see anything. <laughs> tweeting that, right? Maybe pregame. Well, you know, we'll see what we can do. Like I said, I mean, we're close to 80,000 views on that thing. I mean, it would be super cool if we busted 100,000. But, you know, anyway, I mean, that's, I'm not a real big social media person. I, that's, in fact, that's the only social media account that I have. And um, uh, it was it was funny because I didn't have any followers. I think that's the first tweet I'd ever actually sent on it. And 80,000 views later, <laughs> it just tells you that it was, a, it, was a per, it was a cool moment. Folks enjoyed the video. Well, Do you have any, like, go ahead, Matt. I, I was just going to say, I, I think the coolest thing about this season has been all this extra stuff. Like, I find myself, you know, I, lo I love watching the two-hour game, and we do this podcast every, you know, after every game. But, like, stories like this, like, so many things that Twitter and stuff like that allows the Auburn family to, like, we're all watching this team. Like, I've started on Saturdays. I'm going to watch with family and friends just because this yeah. team is so special. And you said you were watching with somebody. So even something as simple as what – what he did at school for that thing like that's something that all of us can relate to so it to me yeah. that stuff has added to the value of this season for me so much so I appreciate just the chance to get to meet you guys and kind of hear a little yeah bit more. um yeah it, it's, it's been really cool you know between the basketball team and, and all the success that the gymnastics team has had and and the swim team and the hockey team and I mean you know uh, Bruce Pearl's exactly right I mean we sort of are in everything school right now which is uh a really, really cool thing to see. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't think there is a ceiling for this team. I think this team's certainly good enough to win a national championship. Um, it's, you know, it's once you get to the tournament, it's who knows. Um, I, personally, I think anything less than Elite Eight, I'm probably going to be a little disappointed. Um, if we get to Elite Eight and that's the end of it, I'm not going to be upset. Um, well, that's a lie. I'll be upset because I want to see them win, win, win a national championship. But, um, you know, there, it's so like even today, I mean, it, any, anybody that had watched this team over the year would have um, thought we would just run Georgia out of the out of their arena and credit Georgia. They um, they brought their A game today. That's going to happen every single time that our team takes the floor between here and the rest of the year. When you're number one, that's what happens. Um I think that today was a little um, self-inflicted. Um, I think KD probably could have could have handled, you know, passed the ball a little bit more. And we needed to, you know, the fact that um, uh, Kessler and uh, Jabari only had as many shots as they did. I think that was a little. Um, we really sort of hurt ourselves a little bit with that. But 
you know, I guess one of the things that I really appreciate with Pearl, if you notice, um, especially in these kinds of games, is even when the team's getting in trouble, normally maybe in a tournament type situation, you're calling time out to kind of regroup. I think he's kind of letting the team like experience some adversity for a little bit um, in preparation for when those times happen in the tournament, when, when Kessler gets four fouls on him halfway through the second half, because more than likely, like those kinds of scenarios are going to happen. Um, so um, it'll be really interesting. Tell me this, you'll, you'll have a big bonding moment, hopefully with your kids and everything, the Texas A&M game. Do you guys have any cheers or anything you say in particular during any of the games? What does Luke think during these games? Wear them out, wear them out. <laughs> they say that? I don't know what, they, yeah, what yeah. everybody's that's, saying. That's usually our thing, like when, when the, the, the thing that's so fun to watch about this particular basketball team is how good we are on defense. Um, I, was, I was actually talking to my friend um, earlier today. I was like, if Auburn scores 80 points, nobody's beating us. Um, like, I, I feel like that's kind of the number. And, um, yeah, I, don't know, I guess we kind of get excited. I'm the same way in, in football, too. I mean, I, I get probably as – as are more excited when they're on defense is when we're um, when we're moving the ball down. Um, so we'll see. If, Luke, uh, who's, Luke, your, who's, Luke, who's your favorite player? Say it loud. You don't want to say it. Say it loud. Kessler. And hey, what do you say? They're the what? The the number one. That's the best looking in the world. <laughs> yeah, in the there world. It is. Hey, Good job. Say it again. Say it. Team in the world. Yes. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Way to pull it out of him, man. He gets a little Luke, bit shy of it. Luke, can you tell me this? Do you like the alley oops or do you like the three pointers? You like the alley oops better or you like three pointers better? Three pointers. He likes a three pointers. He's better. a Wendell Green three point man. <laughs> yeah. Can you man. give us a Luke? We'll let you go if you give us one War Eagle. Hey, come do it. War Eagle for him. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> Eagle. Hey. Well, All thanks, right, Michael. Thanks, All Luke. Right. Uh, hopefully, yes, we can Thank you. Y'all have a good pictures. one. Hopefully, All we'll right. see some pictures or something. Absolutely. See you, man. See ya. Well, that was fun, guys. Uh, Luke was a little shy, but you have to go in and watch his video on Twitter. He was not shy about Auburn being the number one team in the world when he is talking to his peers. It can be a little intimidating talking to famous podcasters, you know. So when he was talking to his fellow uh, students in school, he was very confident about knowing all the players and all the names and who was bad. I wish we could have gotten a question on who he pointed to who was bad and said we were number one. So go back and watch that video. Very cute. Hopefully we'll text around and stuff. Maybe if we can see some pictures of him and Jabari, that could be the kind of moments that you look back 20 years from now and you're like, Man, yeah, there's some Auburn. Auburn is a basketball fandom, and I know for sure because these kids that are in college now were little kids when Jabari. They met Jabari Smith. You know, you know the goat, the best ever basketball player in the world, Jabari. Yeah, he just met me as a kid. You know that kind of stuff. That, that was awesome, man. I, I give credit to Jackson. He uh, he set that one up, and I know, I'm sure everybody who's on Twitter, or I'm sure almost everybody's seen that clip because it, it really did go viral and. Uh, I, I, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to work some. Not that it may not be us, but we're gonna try to work our few connections to see if we can uh, get them to be able to meet Jabari. You know, we're we're a big fan of Marlene DeVore, the director of communication. She's all over it, man. She's she's the goat. She always seems to be on top of every trend and everything that's going on in Auburn basketball. I'm sure she's already deep into it and has something planned out. But we'll we'll hit up a couple of people and see what can happen. I, I figured, you know, we, we we went through our notes. We went through who our MVP is. The next thing we usually do is kind of go down the list of the players and do some narratives on stuff. Uh, 
Walker Kessler, we talked about him some, was in foul trouble, 10 points, four blocks. It's always great to see the blocks stay up there because he's, like I said, he, for the last couple of days, off to check again, he was the number one block guy, number one blocks in the nation. So four more, just keep getting those fours. He's going to end up, maybe I would love for him to get whatever the award is for the most blocks in the nation. Well, uh, nine rebounds, 10, 10 points, nine rebounds, four blocks. Super solid game for being out for a portion of it with foul trouble. Well, to me, it's bigger than that. And they there's people are starting to talk about it again because Bruce started talking about it. He at least should be considered for defensive player of the year, which is kind of the big award. Like, it's not just the blocks. He gets switched off the guards and handles them almost every time. He He's always the, – the thing that's underrated about him, he is so good. So much of basketball right now is in that pick and roll, right? And he can help and get back to his guy or help and switch. And he always plays it almost exactly right. And it it truly is amazing. He is so solid. He could have had a couple more blocks that fouls were called that were really bad. He could have had six blocks like he Yeah, two of his two of his fouls were straight up clean blocks. He should have had six blocks tonight. Right. Um and then he, he got two steals too. His hands are just so good for a guy his size. We we talked about in previous times, which was I was about to think it was like a podcast, but me and Matt used to talk on the phone all the time. Anthony McLemore and Cardwell, even in the past seasons, and some other big men, Wiley too. Uh, man, they would pick up so many fouls at the three-point line. It was so frustrating. Like, the stuff that Kessler does now blocks off these guards. I guess at the time, Andrew McElmore and Wiley were getting blown by, so they'd commit these fouls with their hips or whatever they're doing. But you need these fouls. You need those four fouls, those five fouls, for everything at the rim. You cannot be picking up fouls in transition or three-point line. Kessler never picks those up. And he's still picking the pocket sometimes with his, with his good hands. So, man, he's just – become such a great all-around player and he's getting some first round draft pick love now i've seen him as projections and like like around the 15 to 20 range good for him i you know i love to keep everybody but if he's getting if we're getting two first rounders that would be amazing and i'm cheering for him yeah. uh, next one's jabari smith seven points two fouls three turnovers six rebounds just uh, i'll let you talk about it three turnovers are bad he always seems to have a just a really bad ugly turnover every game we need there to get were, the ball more. We've talked about it some. There, there were there were two back to back. They were just horrible. I mean, and, and it was look that stuff happens. We, we can't harp on it too bad. Um, I thought he was fine today. Like I, I, we just didn't get him the ball enough. He rebounded well. He defended really well. I did want to give him credit. I thought he was really solid defensively. Uh, I think he had a block or two, and just was always in the right place. Um, so I, I think he was good. It's just one of those games that I'm sure defenses are maybe shading to him more, but we've got to find a way around that. He's too good to only shoot seven times and, and only have seven points. I'm trying to look up his uh, three percentage on the year now. It was so good for so long, but I'm curious if it's gone downhill a little bit. But uh, another thing I wonder if a big thing in the game, you know, some people try to give him foul trouble. Some people try to wear him out by changing different uh, people that are guarding him. I think maybe what they're doing now is saying, don't let him get the ball, like keeping, I mean, that's always been a strategy not to let the best player get the ball, but if we're not like finding ways to work it to them on top of their strategy being don't get this goal. And like, we're taking bad shots instead of trying to like make that extra pass to him, people are going to keep doing it. So we got to figure out how to get around that. Well, I would also shooting. say more and more teams are sending doubles to him. Georgia did a few times when he would catch it on the elbow or catch it on the wing. They'll, they'll just send a second guy. And he passed out of that. I think every time. So um, he can obviously shoot over that. We saw that in the Kentucky key shot, but um, I, we're just going to have to keep dealing with different stuff, but we've got to have a, a uh, response, right? Every punch that leaves something vulnerable or Jabari's just that good. He can shoot over anyone. Like he doesn't need to freak out about a double. 
I'm going to treat the rest of my conversations about this stuff as if this was a loss because I, I we have not lost a game regulation. We have no loss. So, so like we need to like there's times to criticize. We're number one in the agency. We don't we like keep shying away from everyone to criticize. It was a way game. We won it. So why criticize? You know, let's let's criticize a little bit. Almost like it's a loss. Uh, you know, he's shooting 40% from three this year. So it's hard to complain about that one too, but he's missed a lot of open threes. He missed an open three in this one that would have been really nice. He keeps doing these run stopper threes, people's faces and stuff. I'm just saying it's a weird trend that he seems to make these in the face threes, but doesn't seem to make his open threes. So I'm just, I'm throwing that out. Matt's shaking his head. Get out of here. You're, you're just spoiled. He, he hits every open. I mean, it's not realistic. You're, you're I mean, even open, he's going to be 50 or 60%. Like that's the best you're going to be. So like, I haven't noticed a trend with that. Um, and honestly, the ones that he's contested, the one that was in and out tonight was perfect defense by the other guy. And he gets defended like so focused and perfect all the time. The fact that he's a 40% three-point shooter this year is insane. And honestly, that's why he's getting so much hype for a potential number one pick because that fits seamlessly into the NBA. The, the other part of this, you know, we've seen, we're, we're looking at trends kind of. You kind of, you want to peak in March and all these kind of things. There's a lot of players on here that, we're just saying, all right, just get to a certain point in March. Like, as long as you're trending up, the Flanagans, the KDs, the Wendell, we're going to trend trending up. Jabari, at this point, we know is probably the best player in the country. There's, like, two or three other guys that are in that contention, at least for, like, an NBA perspective, you know. At some point, he needs to be averaging 15-plus a night. He needs to, like, seven points a night is just not good enough, and part of that's because the ball didn't come to him like it should have been, but you got to be more aggressive. He, he's shown some aggressive at times, but, like, He's he's averaging 15 points a game right now. He's had some big games. It's time to start that trend up. We can't keep having games where he has big games, then it goes down and back up and back down. We've kind of it's kind of been like that all year, right? We get a 20 point big Jabari game, and then we have a game like tonight where he's got seven points and we almost lose the game. I just want to see the trend of him starting to average 15 plus every night. The kind of stuff the best players always get theirs, and he's not getting his always every night. This is two straight road games, right? His horrific two for 15 was at Missouri. Um, this is the next road game. So, you know, he gets another opportunity on Tuesday to kind of write that. Um, you're right. I, I think that's fair. I would do want to say he, every time they would do a cutaway, you know, if one of our guys was shooting a free throw, you look back who, especially towards the end, like who's rallying the troops, who's giving advice, who's talking about, Hey, we need to stop right here. Let's go. Here's how we're going to do it. You know, defend without fouling, whatever it is. It's Jabari. And again, we just, I just don't want to take for granted a guy that's this good, that is going to be a multimillionaire in a few months is dialed in defensively. He's doing all the leader things for this team. I think everybody sees him as an alpha. Maybe we want to see a little more aggression on offense, but man, he is a special kid. He was two of seven from the field and one of three from three. He's done it a couple of different ways. So like, I'm glad it's not a trend that so, yeah, he didn't play that great in the Missouri game. He didn't play that great in this one. This one was not like a high volume bad night. Missouri was a high volume bad night. It was legit. He was just off. It was bad. And you were cool with him trying to shoot it through, but it was bad. This one, we don't really know if he was off tonight or anything. He didn't get to shoot enough shots. If he shot 10 and still had that same like efficiency, I'd be like, okay, he was off tonight. We It's an away thing. But then also he had big Jabari at Alabama. So that's, it's good that it's not like, you know, we have some evidence that he's played some big away games and not done bad. He might reverse this thing completely come at Arkansas and have one of his big nights. He seems, to be, he seems to be pretty good in these big moments that he, you know, I think I made the analogy in the Alabama game that everybody was going hundred miles an hour, but he's a Ferrari and he's built for it. And everybody else is, you know, a, a Mustang or a Civic or something. And they're just not built at that speed, you know? 
Next guy, we talked about Wendell a lot already. I don't want to talk about Wendell anymore. Uh, Flanagan, uh, you had texted me. You know, I, I said I, I got to like vaguely watch the first half. I just really want him to get it together. He had eight points, three fouls, three turnovers, uh, four, four rebounds. He took a charge again. That's like my, my big thing right now with him is cut out the charges, cut out the air ball threes. He got a charge tonight, no air ball three, but he took some bad ones. He's just a step slow, isn't he? I think we can admit now. He's a step slow. He keeps fouling people that go by him because he's a step slow. He keeps catching charges because he's a step slow, at least slower than he thinks he is. Um, yeah, the, the second half was good. He, he really rallied. The first half was about as bad as I've seen him look really since probably his freshman year. Um, he was turning it over. He had the charge. He was getting picking up fouls. He had two. Um, and he gets some bad foul. He's kind of in that bad luck foul stage right now. But um it's he, because he's a step slow right it feels like he's yeah. letting guys get past him a little bit and they're they're going past him more than he thinks I think he still hasn't adjusted to where he's at speed wise right now that he just does not have the speed he had the last two years which really sucks and I'm really hoping this is not like an Anthony McLemore situation where we like like that pre-injury Anthony McLemore was an athletic freak and then post he was still a good player but he wasn't a freak you're hoping that Anthony that Alan Flanagan like one he'll adjust I think he was such a hard worker He'll adjust. He'll start shooting better threes. Like it just might take until next year, which will be frustrating. Well, and I thought his threes were okay. I know one of them was a big three late in the game, but it was wide open. He got right into his shot. He's just, I don't think he's very confident right now. He did hit an open three early in the second half. He got to the rim in the second half. Uh, We haven't talked about this, but Bruce, we take it for granted. He got us two wide open layups on out of bounds plays. And then he forced a turnover. You may not have seen this one in the first half. We forced one where Katie just went up like a safety, grabbed it, went down and finish at the other end like that's six points in a two-point win on the road you don't take that stuff for granted like Bruce is the best in the business at it and it may have just bailed us out tonight I'm, I'm really glad we're getting into some you know I hate to talk about March too much like we talked about enjoy this season enjoy every game enjoy what's happening but you do and you do like to see that they've been put in several different situations they've succeeded in those situations like those out-of-bound plays that Flanagan went and got us those two the end of the at the end of the second half when Kessler got us that hard too uh, the kind of thing at the end of a game where it's tied up where Wendell can run down there and get to. I didn't like that play. I didn't think it was a good play with 11 seconds to go down there and take such a bad shot, but he still made it happen. And those are the kind of moments that like you see that kind of stuff happen and it works out for you later on when you're in the same situation, you have a little cooler head and you know, it's worked before. So you can go make it happen again. They don't freak out. At least he didn't take a long contested three. How many times have we seen college basketball teams? It's just the most infuriating thing I've ever seen in my life watch more college basketball almost every time there's like 20 seconds left on the clock they dribble it out and then they still shoot like an nba contested three at least Wendell went to the basket and that's what happens when you go to the basket even though you've missed you can get your own rebound a long contested three you might just airball that thing it might bounce way off the rim and the clock goes out oh yes um but here's the logic though and he first of all that was a charge that was a that was a bat he should have gotten called for a charge and then he got lucky because the guy was on the floor because he knocked him over and he got the ball back and got a layup, which credit to him for being aggressive. My problem is you get the ball with 11 seconds. At that point, in my mind, you secure the rebound because they had a chance, right? 38 seconds, they have the ball, they come down, they miss a shot, Kester gets a rebound, get it to Wendell. The only that we, there is no way we should not go to overtime. That should be the worst possible scenario when that all happens. And Wendell just goes, first of all, out of control and charges, but he gets away with it. Second of all, he does make the layup, but now you have 3.8 seconds and you can lose. And that 
reality is why some teams play it too conservative and just make they want to get the last shot or maybe the last shot and a chance at an offensive rebound and a putback. Because um, I'm just how many times it's it's so frustrating. Luckily, it seems like we've been doing a little better. So frustrating to watch a team tied up and could tra- could go down. Like the sure a charge could happen. We saw that just now that it could happen. But 90% of the time, if you put a play together and you worn out the clock and you drive the ball, it's either going to be a miss. Are they going to call foul? Are you going to get the rebound? It's like 25, 25, 25, right? 75% chance something good happens. 25% chance that that charge could happen. You but, but you want it as low in the clock as possible so that you don't lose going back the other way, which which easily could have happened even with the make. You know, even with the make, we still had to – I mean, Georgia was too quick on that three. They could have gotten it up further if they had some sense. I thought that was crazy that they – I don't know if they had any timeouts left or anything like that, but they should have taken one because they – did not get the ball going up the court like they should have. Three seconds is plenty of time to get a somewhat decent look. So anyway. the, the next guy, we talked about KD, good in his return, got 20 points, way too many shots at 22 shots, one of seven from three. Uh, you know, that's another thing to keep a trend on, you know, 23% from three, six of 26 from the team, just got to be a little more efficient, got to hit two or three more if we're going to take that many shots. So any other look, thoughts we, KD? we needed 20 points from him tonight. Um, it was a little excessive, like we talked about, uh, but I, I was okay. I really didn't have – I thought it, your pregame note about him continuing solid, very solid game, didn't do a ton to hurt us defensively, had two turnovers, but guess what? Everybody else on our team had more just about that played a ton. So I thought he was pretty good. Um, the shots is something I always watch with him, but I, I figured in Athens that was going to happen, and I'm glad that he got to beat his former team twice this year. It'll be something to watch. I think it was an Athens thing. That's why on my note, I think that he didn't keep his levels ahead as you did, because I think he should have made some more passes, but he didn't freak out or anything. But if he, if he shoots 22 again at Arkansas, or he keeps doing that, it's going to be an issue. Uh, I'll forget it for tonight because he's been trending so up that having a little blip like this up is fine. Uh, next one on my list. Uh, good for Chris Moore. He got out there. It's partially because playing got foul trouble. Uh, maybe some because Zepp was out. I don't know, but Chris Moore got to play some minutes. So good for him. I don't remember much from it. He had one foul, no other stat line. Any thoughts? It didn't do much, but again, uh, that's the depth of this team. Uh, both Cambridge and Flanagan had two fouls about five minutes left in the first half. So Chris Moore got to go in and get those minutes. So good for him. Good to be ready. Didn't hurt the team at all. Uh, played some good defense that I noticed. So uh, yeah, I was glad he got in there. Uh, Jalen Williams, four points, five rebounds, two assists, one block. He's fine. I don't remember much about him, honestly. Didn't he have like a good alley-oop or something in the first half that I missed? Yeah, yeah. Before the crazy, which we haven't talked about yet, we'll get to in a minute, but the second best highlight play of this game was uh, from Wendell to Jalen. I I don't know how he finished it. It was a great finish right at the rim. It was one of those crazy ones we do sometimes that don't usually work out, and he did that hit two clutch free throws towards the end of the game. He hasn't been put in that position very often. And he was on the floor there because he was playing for Kessler. They didn't put Cardwell in. They put Jalen at center for that three minutes after Kessler picked up his foul. So I'm glad Jalen got those minutes, scored a couple, hit a couple free throws that were big, big time. We needed them. Um, six rebounds from him in, wait, no, uh, five rebounds from him in 11 minutes is terrific on the rebounding end. So again, love to have Jalen in his versatility. Good. He's a good backup. He, he hasn't had a game, you know, he's had a couple games where he does these big uh, flips where you're like, man, Jalen, he's the kind of guy that would start on a different team. And luckily he's, he's backing up right now. You haven't seen uh, Jalen have one of those games in a while, but he's due for one probably. 
Uh, an interesting part about that, that Jalen came in for Kessler because he got his fourth foul on another crappy, uh, bad call or whatever. It was interesting to watch like what you do in that scenario. It was probably, what, five minutes left of the game when Kessler got that. But there was such a difference from when Jalen and Cardwell were in versus Kessler during this one. It was such a tight game. We took him out for the next like three minutes and put him back in with like two minutes left. I wish we could have gotten him in earlier. I know you take him out there for a little bit, but there was probably an extra minute or two where I was just like, screw it. Like this game was tight. Like let's risk that fifth. And maybe that's easy to say if that went into overtime and he had a fifth on him, we'd be screwed. But I wish we had just kept playing him or played him or taken him out for less time. Uh, the last one is uh, or actually two more, actually three more. Uh, Cardwell, four points, two blocks, uh, three rebounds. He was fine. I'm glad he got two more blocks. I've been, you know, lo loving that the fact that we have two guys in the top five in the SEC blocks. I'll have to look that up to see if he's still uh, in that same realm. But I don't know. He got blown by a lot. It, they scored a lot on him when Kessler was out. It wasn't quite as, uh, I don't know. He played such a great game against Alabama when Kessler was in foul trouble. And this one, I don't feel like it was a, a game where I was very excited for Cardwell to be in. And part of that's because Kessler's so good. And he's such an offensive weapon, and Carbo just isn't that offensive weapon. But you know, comes in and gives us solid minutes. He doesn't get in foul trouble. He, you know, thank God for him. But also, I wish we had not had so many points score on us when he was in. Yeah, some of that was just bad luck, though. I thought I thought a lot of times his defense was pretty good, but he was in sometimes when Georgia was making their run. And you're right; they probably feel much more confident going at the basket when Kessler's out, not because Cardwell's bad, just you know, <laughs> just because. Yeah, the only thing about Cardwell bad that I would say. Uh, first of all, four points is always great from him when he gets, I think he had one, uh, one amazing dunk. I don't know if you saw that in the first half either, but he had a put back. I think that was like a dunk in, in the air. It was awesome. And then he had another little shot that wasn't a dunk. So uh, good for him to score. Uh, he did. There was a play where sometimes we get overzealous with our blocks because we're such a good blocking team. Somebody else had a block and he went flying for, I guess he really didn't need to. And it left the, re the rebound wide open for the, uh, for Georgia in one of their big runs. That's the only negative thing I would say. Cardwell continues to. We have had that trend where we get the blocks and it turns into two for them just because it like kind of ends up in their hands. But, you know, that's just yep. how it is with blocks. I think I saw Bruce or somebody say that happens because we don't block it out of bounds. I don't care. Just keep blocking them, you know, and block them out of bounds. It just gives them the ball back anyway. So yep. uh, I, I looked at the list over here and Walker Kessler, number one at blocks in the SEC. Second is Charles Badako in Alabama. And third is Dylan Cardwell tied for third with Oscar Shibway. Uh, so that's that's pretty interesting. And in fact, fifth on the list, Jalen Williams. So, but it's the Arkansas Jalen Williams. <laughs> so we got two guys in the top five and another one that has the same name. We will get confused, you know. And if, if I'm looking at the stats here, I know we have two more guys to talk about, but we do have an assist. Number three in assists in the SEC is Wendell Green. Uh, goal goal percentage, Walker Kessler's number two in that at 62%. Uh, Katie Johnson, fourth in steel. So we got a couple guys lead, not leading, but at least up on this category. So that's kind of fun. Next guy on our list is uh, Devin Cambridge. He got his again. He always seems to get his on the uh, on the fast break uh, alley oops. And this one was one of the most amazing ones. I Man, you could put together when they put together at the end of his career, Devin Cambridge's highlight reel. It's going to be a must watch. And it's going to be weird, and people are going to watch that highlight reel and be like, man, this guy must have been a monster. It would be like, nah, he just always had a freak play every single game. It's hard to explain. I saw a 23-second clip of Isaac Okoro dunking and some of his more impressive dunks, and it, you forget, like, oh, my goodness, wow, that guy could just elevate over people. We only saw him for that one year. Yeah, you're right. Devin's going to have four years of, like, just his highlight package is going to be filthy. This one today, 
like I always, my, my barometer for how good a play is, is does it get me off my couch when that I'm watching on? I stood up. I couldn't believe he finished it with one hand off the backboard. I love that Auburn's one of the only teams that would even try that. And it's the Bruce freedom and all that. And it just creates, that was incredible. I'm so glad we won this game. So it didn't have to be like forgotten because we lost. Now it's the 19th straight win. That, that was, I mean, to me, that's up there with the Chris Porter dunk that's so famous is one of the best ones ever. I mean, I, I don't know if I've seen a better one. Maybe I'm prisoner of the moment here. That was incredible. It, yeah, it'll be annoying because it's not like a huge game, so it probably won't be remembered the way it should be from a purely athletic standpoint. But that's a new stat line right there. We're going to have to start maybe writing it down, the amount of Matt getting up off the couches this game, you know. That'll be our new lot, like, It takes a lot. Like that, that play – was the one of the I think it's only been maybe three or four or five this year that was one of them so. they've gotten you off the couch do you remember any of the other ones uh I'm I gonna get off the couch a decent amount I get off more when I'm uh, stressed about the game and that last like two or three minutes if it's close I'm off the couch walking around yeah um I I, I don't want to get into my game watching habits it's a little personal <laughs> for the podcast but I'll try to. Oh, so you, you're getting. Is there a lot of crying and laughing? And do, do, do the shorts come off? Do the shorts no, ever come? Off? No, unless Marlene says so. No. Okay. All um, right. Now, sometimes I lay on the floor and watch. Sometimes I'm, I could be all over the place. But there have been. I'm, my homework is I'm going to try to remember. Go back through the season and try to remember some plays that got me off. Yeah. You start writing it down. We'll start asking yeah. at the end of the thing. And, yeah. and the last one is uh, Preston Cook, one assist, no other stat lines, four minutes. Good for him. He's like you said, I didn't know he was on scholarship now, but cool that he got in a little bit. I think they really do. He was fine, but I think if you if you can't trust him to play more than four minutes when Wendell's gonna be exhausted like that, it's time to rethink. You know, hopefully Zepp's just back, but you need to plan out that some of these guys, I'm sure they have plans and stuff, but clearly the plan of just playing Wendell a ton and playing four minutes with press is not gonna work. This was at UGA at Arkansas, that's not gonna work against a lot of other better teams in the tournament in March, in the SEC tournament, it's not going to work. So we need to rethink what's going on. Hopefully KD maybe can do some of this stuff. I think he's got great handles. So we just, maybe we just haven't seen him be the distributor. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the plan, again, hopefully Zeb's good for Tuesday. If not, I think the plan is to be to play Preston more or, or commit to – I would almost maybe make it Flanagan. I just think KD – hasn't always shown his he hasn't always been trustworthy to get us in the, the set that Bruce wants and to do kind of what it is playing had to do that some last year I, that would be my move if it was me. um but we'll see we'll see uh maybe we can pull up some sec scores and things now unless you have any other we'll, we'll finish off the podcast with a couple little thoughts oh, I, I do have one shout out we i cannot believe we did the alabama episode without shouting out uh, uh i don't hang on i don't want to get it wrong I don't want to get it wrong. The walk-on uh, who got – Oh, yeah, they got the – yes, I'm sorry. They, we tried to keep that one shorter. Man, I keep going to bed at like 2 o'clock on those days. right? So we're working hard for you guys for this this free podcast or whatever. But, yeah, they hit that, for, that clutch free throw. We were all so frustrated when he drove the ball and we wanted that three to hit 100. He drove it and he got the foul and, and won. What's Carter, his name? Carter Sobera. Uh Just in Mount, – He's from Mountain Brook, which everyone knows is a hard area. I think that's what the – the announcer said was <laughs> um he was that, that was such a cool moment man he drove fearless Alabama starters were in the game he went to the basket got fouled 
finishes, makes the free throw to get to 100. You could feel the energy in the stadium. Everybody wanted 100 points. He delivered. What a cool moment for him, as we were talking about with Preston Cook playing in the rotation. All right. Yeah, we secured another, you know, some people are like, whatever about the rankings and everything, but we just secured, what, the third straight week that will be number one in the country. That's huge. This program was never there to begin with. Let's get any streaks we can get going. We sweep Bama. We sweep Georgia. Two and two, you know, two in a row on each of those guys. Let's get as many weeks as possible out of this. Let's not drop a crappy at Georgia game because we're going to play at Arkansas next. And let's go ahead and get that three weeks in. Let's get that college game day in. Let's get that hype in. So enjoy that. You know, and it, it is a big deal in my opinion. So people that say, ah, oh, the ranking, whatever, I want to peak in March. Well, guess what? Don't put your eggs in that basket because it's not like some other sports make. March is such a crapshoot that enjoy these weeks. These kind of stats are the real college basketball stats. If you're trying to get into the real college basketball, not just the casual March madness tournament, whatever with your coworkers, this is the real stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. This is the first week Auburn's ever been number one in the coaches poll. That was another one. We were number two the week we became number one in the AP. So we got both polls. We'll see if we stay number one. Um, you know, kind of. No way we don't. They don't. They don't move people up and down for wins. I know. know. I'm just. And we we beat Alabama on. Who did we win on Tuesday? It was Alabama, right? Yeah, we beat Alabama. That's true. That's a good point. That's another. That's a a good one. I mean, I don't think it's that good, but some (laughs) people seem to think Alabama. Some podcasts will talk about who they think is going to win the tournament and not mention at Auburn at all and mention Alabama and Houston and Purdue and Kentucky and all these other teams, two teams we beat. My, my guy, Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve this week talking about college basketball uh, per, uh, contenders. And, and literally, they, they, they kind of got off. They were going to draft teams of who they thought would be. And then they got sidetracked. They started talking about every conference. And then they talked about Alabama and Kentucky being – Stanford Steve thinks Alabama can win the national championship, and Auburn gets mentioned zero times. So. Uh, 2,220 tweets on here it looks like georgia didn't try to pull any crap moves like alabama social media did and old miss social media did other so yeah murray state did bama which if you missed which we didn't get to talk about last time they deleted it like they turned their comments off originally so there was like two thousand retweets on their thing instead of comments but cowards to turn their comments off like all it does is turn it into a national story that's what it was it was on the top like 10 or five things on reddit on college basketball was that they turned their comments off just don't do anything like this is our fun or whatever. Like it only gets it worse if you try to do something. So they, they turn the comments off and I think they deleted it and reposted a different one. It's just, you know, they're pulling super little moves. They think they're clever. It's just not going to matter. We're going to get you either way. Um, anything. I, I was just going to talk through the, the scores. Tennessee beat South. Well, let's, let's take a look at the standings. So Auburn's now 10 and 0, eight games left. Kentucky and Alabama play tonight. That's a big one. Um, where, where, what is Arkansas doing today? They host Mississippi State. So what you're seeing, if you look at the standings, if you're watching on YouTube on the right side of the screen here, there are kind of five teams that have separated themselves that are above 500. It's Auburn, Kentucky's two and a half games back right now. Tennessee is three games back. They are on a big hot streak. Arkansas is on a big hot streak. And Mississippi State's at five and three. So Arkansas and Mississippi State play. One of them is going to lose. Kentucky and Alabama, one of them is going to lose. That's good for us on both accounts. But the, the road trips to Tennessee and Arkansas are kind of looming as like if, if Auburn's going to really put the hammer down and make sure they win this this SEC, it's going to start Tuesday night in uh, Fayetteville. You're just hoping yeah, that some teams are really hot right now. Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas are really hot right now. Some other teams that started hot, you just hope that this is not – you hope they're going through hot streaks and it's not like 
they're finally establishing that they're legit teams. I think we saw some teams like Arkansas lost their first three games and not lost since. I'm hoping that's just like not them getting it together. Maybe they're just on a little streak and we, we bop their streak on Tuesday or they lose even tonight or something. You know, if you saw how hard it is for the number one team, for a team that's so complete as Auburn to go on the road to UGA, you just hope some of these other teams that are hot hit a couple of road bumps because that's what they're due for. You know, it looks like, you know, we're by far the favorites right now, but Kentucky's just so talented and so hot. And then you have Tennessee and Arkansas that are super hot. And then you have Mississippi State, which I don't know. I think they might just be kind of hanging around right now. So our two biggest games down the stretch are at Arkansas on Tuesday and at Tennessee in a week or two. We've gone through what we thought was the biggest ones with Kentucky, Alabama, and LSU. Now it's time to go through that next kind of round. Like, yeah, we're up two games at Kentucky right now. We can't lose games like at Georgia because, honestly, I don't expect to lose at Arkansas and Tennessee. But if we can win at Arkansas on Tuesday, don't don't celebrate it like we just beat a team that's below us or anything like that. Or I don't know if, I don't think they're ranked. Celebrate it like we are like that much closer to winning the SEC. You know that. We should like if if you're looking down the stretch, I think so. Supposedly we're favored in those still, but man, you kind of assume maybe that we're due for two losses, and we don't know if Kentucky's going to lose our team. We don't want to share it with Kentucky. We definitely can't lose a game like at UGA or at Missouri and expect to beat Kentucky right now. There's we're we're all so confident. All it takes is losses to at Tennessee and at Arkansas, which we kind of expect in a drop a game, and all of a sudden Kentucky wins the SEC and we lose everything we've been dreaming of. Right. Yeah. I mean, Kentucky's making it difficult. We'll see what happens. They go to Tuscaloosa where I think it's like Kentucky maybe is a one point favorite. So it's kind of a pick them game. Um, I don't want Alabama to be Kentucky, but if they do, Auburn wakes up tomorrow with a three game lead over everybody, which I think would be a good, really great buffer to have, obviously. Um, but if I, could guarantee, if, I, if I could guarantee that Bama loses in the first round of the tournament and doesn't use this as like a confidence boost to get recruits and things. And I'm like, yeah, give us that three game cushion. I'm just afraid they're going to keep sticking around and make a big run in, in March and no one will remember that they lost this many games during the season. You just got to be glass half full. One of them's going to lose. We'll be happy either way. I think, especially now that we won, you know, won our game, you know, it's great that we only play Tennessee and Arkansas once. We don't have to play them twice, but you got to play them both the way. So, um, and so let's look at our schedule. Just, I feel like we've gotten through, we talked about how big of a week this was to sweep our rivals we uh, took care of Oklahoma. We've survived the number one ranking and all that. So now we're, we're eight games left. Eight games left in the SEC uh, portion at, of the at, at UGA was supposed to be one of our easiest games on the schedule, and you saw what just happened at yep. UGA. So when we look down the schedule, it all of a sudden looks a little more dangerous than it did before, even as number one and such a complete team. When you have a game like at Missouri and at Georgia, this game at Florida, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. It should be a game we should win. It's real, real dangerous because guess what? They're better than Georgia and Missouri. So if you think that one was hard, you know. Just huge to get these wins against Missouri and Georgia. When you don't have your best, can you find a way to win? And this team has proven time and time again. So it's just I'll write, re read through the schedule just to get everybody kind of ready. It's at Arkansas, A&M at home, college game day next Saturday, Vanderbilt at home, Florida on the road, Ole Miss at home at Tennessee, at Mississippi State, who's been kind of sneaky good, and then home against South Carolina. It's not a terrible schedule. Um, I think, to me, like, if, if Auburn wins at Arkansas Tuesday, uh, I'm going to start to feel pretty, pretty good about where we're at and that we can finish this thing off. Like you said, we don't want to share it with Kentucky, though. So right now, we can only lose one game. 
if we don't want to share things, it. Things change a lot. Things change a lot if Alabama wins tonight against Kentucky. But right. yeah, even with a loss there, things look a little prettier. Kentucky but, doesn't get too hot. They're just – man, the national media absolutely loves Kentucky right now. And it's kind of hard to not love after they what they did at Kansas and the way they've been kind of turning it up the last couple, last couple games. I don't want to play them again. <laughs> I hope we don't – I hope they – we go to the championship and they had gotten upset by somebody or something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the big one, Texas A&M, man, we'll talk about it again after the Arkansas game, but we're getting college game day for Texas A&M. That's really big. We didn't ever have it before until two years ago when Kentucky came to town. It's huge to me, honestly, because we thought we were going to get game day at Kentucky and that seemed like the kind of fit, but they weren't traveling yet, I guess, at that point. And I thought we'd missed out because we just didn't have another big home game like that, another ranked one. Or the fact that they want to come to our place for college game day against an unranked Texas A&M at home, like, screw you, Kentucky. Guess what? They're coming for us. <laughs> like, don't act this whole nonsense about they, they travel around to see Kentucky or whatever. They're coming to see – we have built something that they want to see no matter who we're playing that weekend. I don't know if there's – there's probably some other ranked matchups that weekend, but they chose to see what we were, we're up to with our number one ranking. We'll see if anybody camps out or what they're doing. I, I was wondering if they would do that for uh, the Alabama game or I think who was, who was last Saturday. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, which they haven't had maybe for game, game day. They, they changed it to a, a noon tip-off. I don't know when the tip-off was before that, but I know some people were pissed it went to noon. But I think the process with that is it's going to be better ratings. And I think they can go straight from game day into the game, maybe. I don't know if they, they got to clean stuff off the court after that. So I wonder if anybody's going to camp out or if there's going to be a long line super early in the morning because they're going to want to get there super early for game day and then stick around for the game. It's a compliment. They, they totally restructured the league schedule to put Auburn's game right after game day, going right into it on ESPN. I texted a friend of mine who's at AM. I'm going to Houston next weekend to visit some people. That's where I grew up. And uh, my buddy who's an AM fan, we're probably going to watch together. And uh, he's like, man, I was worried about this game being on national TV. Now game day, because <laughs> AM started 3-0 and in the league, and we were kind of like, okay. And they've lost five of six, and they are currently losing at home to Missouri. As well, they've, they've had our number, though. They, they yeah. We've lost like four times at home in like five years, and, and some of that was during – 2020 with no fans or whatever but texas a&m was two of them <laughs> at home it was really it's really where they've had our numbers so that'll be frustrating if we lose that with college game day in town but, but hey I'll, I'll be, have you watched much college game do you do you no. i thought they needed a gap in between like because they have like the way they do it they do it on the court with like oh. the guys out there on the court so i wonder how they're going to like transition and we have tons of pregame stuff and shoot arounds and all this kind of stuff like how are they going to transition I'm sh- I do not watch it, uh, nor does anybody else. That's why they only, it's only an hour show and they only do it for six or eight weeks, but I'm sure they'll transition. Like maybe the last segment of picks will be in a secondary, like I, I doubt they'll be on the court there, but you're right about pregame. And so it'll be interesting. Maybe they just move it back closer to the fans, like closer to where the like maybe press people are or whatever, just a little bit off the court or something. And I'll look cool with all the fans behind it. So get excited, everybody make your signs. That'll be interesting to see like, all the signs in the stand because everybody's going to make their signs for that. And I'm sure there's going to hold on to them during the game too. So, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm excited. I'm excited. Any kind of hype we can get during all this is a lot of fun. Lots of memes. I'm sure lots of red eyes and uh, deep fried uh, posters. I I had to guess. Um, One thing that will make you very excited. I don't know if you're aware of this uh, Tuesday night's game against Arkansas is at seven Eastern. So we we won't be up till 2 AM. I find it funny that we do these like, Eastern time or I'm on Easter time and we do these podcasts and we record for an hour after and then spend, we have to spend some time getting it together and putting it up and everything. And I hear all these people online 
they're on central time complaining about like 8 p.m tips or whatever i guess they're driving a lot of them but like i'm like come on <laughs> like most of you people are watching on tv like it's not that late come hey, on this, this is the only one by the way i just looked ahead the the uh the next three are nine eastern 8 30 <sighs> eastern and nine eastern the midweek game so brutal brutal i don't know when that tennessee one is but at least that's a saturday that vanderbilt nine eastern and the mississippi state nine eastern are going to be brutal <laughs> we'll figure it out off the air. we'll figure it out uh, any other thoughts on this game you want to wrap anything up yeah let's just wrap it up good you know every win's a good win i think this was probably the worst we've looked all year honestly um we did a lot i, I thought uh, what was the dad's name who came on with us Michael. Michael. He did a great, he, he, I don't know if he listened to us, but I'm sure he didn't, but he came to some of the same conclusions. It felt like a self-inflicted game where we just struggled. You credit Georgia. They played really hard. Um, they made some things happen, but we, um, we got away with this one probably more even than Missouri. But again, you find ways to win. Road wins are hard in this league. We say it all the time. If you don't believe it by now, you're never going to believe it. We're 10 and 0 over halfway through the sec schedule i want rings i want an sec championship and uh, i am nervous and excited about this arkansas game next because i really think that can separate and i, I kind of like that we struggled today honestly if zeb can come back and we can get moving in the right direction want to get the bad taste of this game out of our out of our mouths but arkansas is hot man i think they've won seven or eight in a row we'll see what they do today but um it's gonna be There's fun. another podcast another sport that talks about great teams win their clunkers and this was a clunker and it's a big deal that you could take essentially a loss like this without actually having to take a loss in the uh record column when kentucky's breathing down your neck with uh two losses right now that anything can happen these teams can get hot and you can get not hot any kind of injury could happen at any time we saw what happened in the sec championship year where Anthony McLemore went down and all of a sudden we were holding on by the skin of our teeth and this league is a lot better so all it takes is one little thing Katie Johnson scared me half to death when he went down with what looked like a dislocated shoulder or elbow or something ran all the way into the lock he's, he's already dramatic he goes out there and, and bangs his body and everybody and falls on the ground and then stays down just a little bit longer than he wanted to which I've gotten used to not used to him holding his arm completely still running into the locker room and then immediately coming back out so thank god he was fine. Hopefully Zepp's fine too. Uh, I'll say it again. And I love saying it. And I hope we can keep saying it. Never lost at home. Never lost away. Never lost a regulation. Never lost in America. Never done a lost podcast. We don't even know what to do when we lose. That's We have no experience. We're This, this podcast is new this year, but we've never done a lost podcast. And we're never going to do one. <laughs> this is going up. We're going to do this for years and never do a lost podcast. <laughs> we, we are being completely honest with you. When we say we have not talked about what we're going to do after a loss, we really don't know. So you'll be the first to know when we record. You can say anything else. I have one closing thought. You know what I'm, right, I'm good. Hey, number one basketball team in the world, War Eagle. War Eagle, Matt. <laughs>